Hello and welcome to Anime to Z, the podcast dedicated to all things anime. My name is Shay Lingo, rapper and musician, and the first UK artist to feature on a major anime soundtrack for Jujutsu Kaisen. Yeah, that has been blowing up on social media. It has, it has, it has. It's been fun to watch. Yeah, super exciting. And I'm Beck Hill, by the way. I'm a comedian, writer, and the first UK artist to feature on a soundtrack for Robonato, which is an anime I just made up about a robot made out of fermented soybeans. <laughs> <laughs> sounds good though, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sounds that's fan- real... I'm watching that. Yeah, yeah. Everyone should watch it. We'll make it happen. By the by the time that, you know, this is like global and everyone's listening, that's gonna be a show. Facts. So with Shay's passion and my willingness to learn, we'll be navigating the world of anime one title at a time. But who is this podcast for? I hear you ask. <laughs> well, if you're a long-time anime fan like me, you're just gonna get some deep dives, hot takes, exclusive expert interviews about some of your favourite anime and films and shows, not to mention the lowdown on the brand new release of Evangelion, Thrice Upon a Time. And if you're more like me and enjoy anime, but have a lot of questions like, why is there a random penguin in this? Then we'll hold your hand as you step into uncharted territory and I'll find you those answers, damn it! So this is our first episode. It is. Yeah. Hello. Is. How are you? I'm good. How are you? I was about to say I'm good first. You were, do you know what? Because you expect to be more polite than I am. Ah, oh, I hear that. Do you know what? I think I think you're perfectly fine. I think oh, you're perfectly cool. polite. Don't worry. How about are you, it. listeners? Don't answer that. We can't hear you. Yeah, facts. <laughs> <laughs> so before we begin, um, Shay, how did you get into anime? I've been in anime since I was about 13 which is a good few years now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> a good few years. Yeah, I've just been a casual fan for a long time, like a long-term fan. I started on just One Piece on that like Cartoon Network and Dragon Ball Z and all that stuff, and that developed into watching things like Death Note and finding a love for the plot and the writing and the suspense and the thrill and the love of the supernatural and the dark. And then that obviously manifested into a lot of other things, more recent anime like Darwin's Game and Hunter Hunter and... I mean, everyone's seen Naruto, do you know what I mean? There's a load of different things that I've just been watching over time just as a casual fan. And I guess I amassed enough of some sort of experience and expertise to be here, do you know what I mean? Yeah, I've got I've got a lot of love for anime. I've got a lot of love for the imagination and the artwork and the soundtracking that goes behind it. So yeah, I was it was a dream come true to be able to work on Jujutsu Kaisen. Yeah. And put that expertise and all that all that well, what they think is expertise and all that knowledge <laughs> into um into giving it a goal to be on a soundtrack. Obviously, I'm originally a hip hop rapper, so yeah. it was a completely different space for me to enter because a lot of anime majority of um, anime soundtracking is, isn't is hip-hop. so No, it's like J-pop. It was, yeah, it was like J-pop or it's very like foundationally in rock and mm. other other things. Don't kill me if any of my if any of my um, my takes are incorrect, guys. I'm only speaking in my experience and as the person I know myself to be. But at the same time, I do like to think I, I have done a little bit for the culture now and yeah. I'm proud and happy to be a part of it. Well, I'm, I'm quite similar to you in that I... In my, like I'm from a background of stand-up comedy, you know, I grew up in Australia, moved over here. And so in my sort of circle of friends and my industry, I, people look at me and they're like, oh yeah, Beck knows a lot about anime. But of course, like you and I know when it comes to the anime culture, like you and I are both like, oh, um, I mean, compared to you guys, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I want to learn. I want to learn so much more. And, and um, there's like you were saying, oh, everyone's seen Naruto. Oh, I haven't seen yeah, Naruto, yeah. but I know about the run. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. I can tell you enough. Yeah. Yeah. So that's like, hopefully at some point we'll get to get 
to that as well. Definitely. Yeah, but I started out watching Ghibli stuff when I was really small. I lived in Hong Kong, and so my parents, for some reason, the Ghibli films were showing in Hong Kong with, like, Cantonese subtitles, and my parents taped them, and so I was growing up, like, watching those VHSs over and over again, and I was obsessed with them. And then when I was growing up, like, more so in Australia, we had Sailor Moon on in the morning, so I was watching that, Hamtaro, Mm. Like a lot of, I know obviously you've got Yu-Gi-Oh! and Pokemon and and the classics, you know. (laughs) I mean, Sailor Moon's a classic. Oh, I love Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon's definitely a classic. I was definitely watching Sailor Moon as well. Oh, yeah. I rewatched it again recently. And it is like, I mean, it's properly formulaic, but it is, there's something very comforting about that. It's nice knowing, oh, what's going to happen in this one? Oh, Bad guy's gonna come. Yep. They'll they'll get into their little <laughs> sailor outfits. Yeah. There'll be an awkward moment with tuxedo mask. Yeah. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Done. Beautiful it's, formula. It's like in Pokemon, you're like, there's always gonna be a moment where they say, looks like Team Rocket are blasting off again. Definitely. Like, <laughs> definitely. You almost wait for those moments. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That'd be my dream, you know. If yours, like, if you get to be on soundtracks, mine would be that I get a catchphrase that makes it into an anime. Oh mate, I think yeah. That, I think yeah. We'll have to come up with one. Oh. If you if any listeners have ideas of uh, catchphrases, catchphrases, please let, let us know. Hit us up. Yeah. So I I sort of was watching it a lot growing up, and then I uh, kind of got busy with life and ended up not, you know, watching it as often as I wanted. I find it sometimes I see it as a bit of a luxury. Like I really want to watch it, but it feels like. I can't because it's not related to my work. And that's, you know, you and I are the same with freelancers. Mm -hmm. You know, you kind of, you only get paid for what you're doing. Mm -hmm. It was about time that I started to get back into it. And then when I heard that the fourth installment of the Evangelion films was coming out, I was like, okay, this is a really good opportunity to come in from the start and just do all four. And then at least I've got like that, that's in my pocket. Yeah, it's a foundation. It's another little base for yourself to re-enter the world. Yeah. um, And just... And just be a part of it do you know what i mean i think there's loads of different facets and there are there are going to be gatekeepers and authoritarians on on the topic i think that's just the way they show their love for the thing but exactly and we can learn from them exactly and yeah. ultimately it's just about unity and just being able to have the conversation which is what we're here for do you know what i mean so beautiful times beautiful times this episode we're kicking off with evangelion 1.11 you are not alone the first film in the rebuild of evangelion franchise or Evangelion, or we'll get to that in a minute. There are definitely going to be spoilers. So uh, if you are allergic to spoilers, you might want to hit pause and head over to Prime Video UK so you can go and watch the film now and come back. Otherwise, if you're ready to just jump straight in or if you want to use it as a little pre-watching starter pack, then uh, stay with us. So is it Evangelion? Or Evangelion? Good question. So I have it on very good authority that it is Evangelion, hard G, like girl. Yeah, yeah. Because I heard, well, I watched the dubbed version and they were saying Evangelion. But I also, you know, you never know. You never know if the actors just misread it. (laughs) I imagine they would correct them. but Yeah, I think pronunciation, especially in anime culture and of names and just Japanese culture in it as a whole is extremely important, just like anywhere else, to be fair. But yeah, it is definitely hard G and the Gellion of Evangelion is definitely a hard G. And what, what is Evangelion? So Evangelion is a story that follows Shinji. He's dropped in the middle of essentially a battle between uh, these semi-monstrous biblical beings called angels and Avas. Avas are uh, robots that were built 
by what would be the military in, in, in their world. His dad it has a high position in a sector of that military called Nerve, which is specially designed to battle and understand angels. Shinji essentially happens to be the key to piloting one of these Avas or these big robots that uh, are designed to fight the angels. And he had no knowledge of this prior. Before we dig into the core of the discussion in the same way that Nerve digs into the core of the earth. See, I was paying attention. Uh, <laughs> That's, uh... I loved and hated that. I, I'm not. It's for you, Shay. There's plenty more where that came from. I love, I love me a, a pun. I love me a gag. Uh, Strap yourself in. Let's go. But I need some more background. So, Shay, who even comes up with stuff like Evangelion? A man called Hideaki Anno. That's who comes up with that. He's the chief creator of both the original Neon Genesis Evangelion series and the rebuild of Evangelion films as well. And is credited as the key animator, supervising director, and production designer. Oh, do you know what that reminds me of? Remember, did you ever do media studies in school? Yeah. You know when you like do a project and you you do all the work and you have to like team up with other people and they yeah. don't pull their weight? Yeah. So you put your name on all the credits so the teacher knows that you did all of it? <laughs> that's how I feel. Like that's what I feel like Anna's done there. I mean, he's there's a lot of him in it. Do you know what I mean? And, yeah. it, and it comes from such a very, very tangible and real set of emotions and traumas and problems that I think he faces and and pushes across very well in in the in the series and the, and the films. Mm. So I can imagine he probably had to take a lot of these roles. Yeah, well yeah, cuz uh, you and I were chatting before we started recording about the fact that we both tend to create in in all sort of senses cuz what we do even though it's very different is so personal. And so like from a comedic side I'm used to not only like writing my stand-up shows but I will produce them, I'll market them, I'll do like I'll do every side of it because I want to be in control because it's so personal to me, it's my life. And you have the same thing with with your music. And so I yeah, I get it. I yeah. I get him. Definitely. I, I feel like even even with music it's so inherently personal to to who you are in its most pure forms, you know what I mean? Like and and a lot of a lot of that purity comes from your pain. Do you know what I mean? It comes from whether you're trying to make people laugh with your pain or you're trying to make people just kind of understand and have an insight to that pain or enjoy your pain in some capacity to help them understand it because of, because of the way you've decided to, the medium you've decided to communicate that in. Do you know what I mean? I think people very much respond most naturally to emotions and emotions that they can't necessarily share in the most regular or kind of casual of ways. So extravagant or more dramatic or thematic ways of communicating that pain or communicating those issues or or those good times in what in whatever capacity is always gonna kind of hit the view or hit the fan or hit the eye in a way especially if they haven't they don't have any other outlets for that do you know what i mean or haven't seen any other outlets or examples of that up until this point and then it's just about how you do it so is there anything else that hideki has made yeah so we started out as a key animator on a couple of the studio ghibli films including grave of the fireflies and noshka of the valley of the wind oh right now that's really interesting because noshka of the valley of the wind it's my favorite anime okay absolute favorite didn't yep. know he worked on it like it's my favorite but I couldn't tell you who the key animator was. <laughs> That's because, like, I watch them. I don't really, like, look at the credits, which is a terrible thing to say as an artist. Um, but I I love that film. And one of the reasons I love it is because it's, it's, um, it's fantastic storytelling. It's got all of the emotional arc, the journey, everything that you want. It's got an incredible female protagonist, but also, like, other women in it who have, like, different sort of personalities, which is rare in anime. But of course, in the Evangelion, well, in the first one that we've watched, 
the I mean the women are immediately highly sexualized. Yeah, and, immediately. Uh, and I remember thinking, oh, that's a shame, you know. And so to know that he'd also worked on something that is an earlier that's so progressive in that sense, there's a little part of me that's like, oh, I get that you want to tell your story, mate, but I'm sure you could put more women in there. Yeah. <laughs> but the big similarity is as soon as I saw the angels, mm. I was like, oh, that looks like one of the God Warriors. Mm. You know, the massive God warrior they have at the end of Nausicaa was like, shoots fire out its mouth and everything. Yeah. And I was like, oh, because it's sort of half flesh, half like uh, something mechanical about it, you know. So, yeah, uh, that makes sense now that, that there's that connection. Yeah, so that's interesting. I, I didn't realise that, uh, that Hideko's stuff went back that far. And obviously there was a TV series. Yeah, and it was definitely considered to be one of the most influential anime of its time. Obviously, it came out in 1995. There was 26 episodes of it. I know there was parts of it, like some other anime, where fans were left a little bit unhappy towards the end. Yeah, which is so classic with with anything that people love. Like, I feel like any cult TV show, there's people who don't like the ending because it's so hard to yep. get it right. I mean, we could list off the names. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Do you, is that why Anu did the... Did the remakes then? Did the films? Yeah, so to kind of reimagine or to, to reconstruct what they know to be um, the ending or the storyline, I guess was his way of kind of readdressing that issue and showing how, how much it means to him that the the messages come across in the right ways. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, and I get that as well because I've just started to write books for the first time. I um, mean, for eight to 12 year olds so you know I'm not like <laughs> cracking out the Tolkien-esque novels or anything but it's my first experience doing that and when I finished the first one I started working on the second one working on the second one I realized there's a lot of stuff that I'd learned that is like a a better way of writing and but by the time I'd learned that you know the first book's already being printed so I'm like Oh, I can't change that. Yeah, and like the right. first book's fine. Obviously, if it was awful, they mm. wouldn't have let me print, get it printed. But like, it, I wish I could go back and, you know, rewrite it. Because I'm a perfectionist. And I get the feeling yeah. that Anna is a perfectionist as well, yeah. considering all of the I mean, you kind of have to be. Took. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. You <laughs> yeah. kind of have to be to, have, to take all of those roles. And then also to take all of those roles again. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, <laughs> to kind of re, yeah. to then remake it into into something that you understand to be now not just a remaking but a different communication with your fans because if they continue to be unhappy at that point maybe do you know what I mean or they don't agree with the fact that you've you've remade it or whatever the case may be it it, it becomes another conversation and another one and another one and really as an artist all you're trying to do is communicate and feel like you've communicated with with, a, with an amount of people that kind of help you understand and continue to communicate your own journey past yeah, a certain point yeah. do you know what I mean as well as unpack and and, and and visit things that you might not be able to visit or haven't been able to visit in the normal world in, in the regular kind of ether of life, which is why you're at this point, you get me? Which is why you're creating to unpack, especially when, when you're touching on topics of mental health and trauma and PTSD and trying to explore all of these different things in such symbolistic and kind of representative and me metaphoric ways. Do you know what I mean? I think, I think he's done a fantastic job. So the first film came out in 2007. Mm -hmm. What were you doing in 2007? In 2007, I was watching Naruto. 
I was watching Death Note. I'm a big Death Note fan. Yeah. Um, I got into Death Note through the live action version. What? Yeah. And then, like, no, because it's just like I was flicking channels and yeah. it was playing. Yeah. I can't remember what channel. Mm. And I was like, what is this? But I, that's when I was like, oh, this is interesting. Let's watch the anime. Yeah. Well, the anime, the anime in um, 37 episodes is is definitely one of the best told stories that I've consumed in my life. Like, including movies and series and whatever whatever like i'm i'm like i just think it was written so well and it was pieced together so amazingly and coherently and uniquely and the plot twists are some of the best i've seen in in film and cinema and animation like full stop books yeah. up including books i've read so like what do you reckon sets evangelion apart from those i would love to be able to tell you beck but there's probably a man that's a lot more qualified in that realm to be able to talk about that. And joining us in the studio to answer that question is news and features editor at British GQ Online, David Leavesley. Oh my God, it is such a pleasure to be here to talk about my favourite thing that nobody ever gets to talk about with me at Beautiful. all. You walked in and we were like, this guy knows anime. <laughs> like, yeah, yeah. Like, could you explain to the listeners what you're wearing right now? I can indeed. So this is a shirt, sort of like a like a camp collar shirt, like a bowling shirt. Yeah. And it has, I think, like a knockoff version of Broly from Dragon Ball Z Definitely. on it. Um, and I found it in a charity shop and was <gasps> like, this moment... This is an iconic fashion moment. I need to get on this. And it's one of those things where people in the street see you and they just go, what a weird, ironic shirt that that man is wearing. But then sometimes like a waitress will be like, somebody likes Dragon Ball Z. Yeah. And I'm like, I actually don't. She's but... like, where's Goku? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, I also have a hat with Mew on as well. So I just really nice. went, I really went all out today. Yeah. Um, because like anime is one of those things that you never really get to talk about with anybody until somebody like just drops a reference. Mm. And then, and then you're, then you're like... there for days. <laughs> <laughs> They're just trying to leave. And you're like, no, wait, but serial experiments lame. And they're like, no, I need to go to my job. <laughs> yeah, I do not envy the editor of this podcast because they're <laughs> just going to, there's so much, we have so much to talk about. I guess we should jump straight into it because cool. obviously Evangelion is a, is a really big thing for you. Mm. When did you first get into it? Had you watched anime before that or was it your entry point? Uh, I think I'd watched anime as like an art form before it. Like I'd watched like, your Sailor Moons, your Dragon Ball Zs, your Pokemon, your Digimons as like a, as a child. And then I think you get to that point where the forums arrive in your life. Oh, yeah. And like I had gone from, I think that the logical progression is I'd watched the third season of Digimon, which was a great season if anybody's not watched it. And then that was written by the head writer of Serial Experiments Lane, which is like a very weird 90s anime about like Alice in Wonderland and like cyber tech clubs. And I was like, oh, that's really weird. And then they were like, well, if you like weird... Neon Genesis Evangelion, mm. which was hard to find on the internet as like a teenager yeah, in a village yeah. in the middle of nowhere. But when I found it, I was like, oh, oh, yeah. because it's just it is just such a rich scene to mine, as you were saying, like it is like it is like anime's war and peace. I'll say it now. It's 26 episodes it. long, but still like it's just such a rich scene and you just keep discussing it. And like because they keep making the movies like Rebuild, there's always something new to add to the conversation and there's always another aspect or layer to explore. So I mean, I've just been, I've been obsessed and now I'm one of those people that at parties, you know, you get to that point and then you're just like, so listen guys, yeah. <laughs> I think it's about time we all start watching Neon Genesis Evangelion. Yeah. And everyone's like, what are those words you just said? And I'm like, even the creators don't have a name. Never heard in that order. <laughs> yeah, you're like an Evangelion evangelist. Just 
go around to each house knocking on the door. Have you yeah. heard about Shinji? <laughs> the amount of my flatmates, I'm like, so now we're going to watch the end of Evangelion. And they're like, I just want to go to bed. I just want to go to bed. So you've called Neon Genesis Evangelion one of the most surreal anime out there right now. How does point one hold up to the ladder? Uh, it's a really good question because I think even if you watch the original TV show, it is a show that is dark from the start, but it gets weird halfway through. I mean, that's the thing that it's known for, is that the show just gets weird. And we don't really know why it gets weird. Like, is it budget cuts? Is it that Anno was having some mental health issues? There's a lot of apocryphal stories as to why it might get weird towards the end. But the first six episodes are still themed with depression, but they are a f they're fundamentally like a boy gets into a robot and fights a monster of the day. <laughs> like, that is the fundamental premise that they're exploding. Mm -hmm. This movie is those six episodes that really are the most conventional, like, crux of the show. Like, it is a very simple plot that they deal with in these episodes. Shinji goes to Tokyo 3 to be with his estranged father, discovers his estranged father, wants him to be a pilot of a robot, gets into the robot, is depressed, fights some angels. We all have a lovely time. Well, except for Shinji, who has a terrible time. And I was going to say, do we have a um, lovely time? Do so, we? I think that... Um, Evangelion is known for being weird and I don't think that Rebuild 1.0 is that weird So but do you think that it holds up to like the original premise then? I absolutely think it does in that I think that I think going back and watching both the series and this film for this conversation I'm always amazed that the show is weirder from the start than you think like it is dark it is strange mm. and the film basically I think with the film, with the with the TV show, it's very clear that Anno found like a visual language to convey what he wanted to show, and he didn't find it until quite late into the show. There's like a sort of twilight train carriage where people have like deep monologues, which is very similar to the train yes. in um, Spirited Away, where they have the sort of sixth station journey, that kind of like weird train situ, yeah. um, and that appears very late in the anime, but is here in the film. There's like a few brief moments it appears. There's some images of kind of. Ray as other forms which are sort of known to fans but appear here so the visual language is far more consistent from the start of this film to the end of the series and there's some things that as a fan for a long time are really interesting in terms of like what things that appear from the end coming up now but fundamentally this film is actually a very good starting point for a lot of people because it's actually yeah. just it's just a really great story and mm. they've really done the first six episodes of the anime justice and just giving it more life more energy more just just art as well so it's yeah. uh it is still surreal but like if people start with this film they're gonna be like i don't see what's so weird That's, well i was in, i was actually saying that at the beginning of uh of this episode i was just saying oh well everyone said it was really hard but i, I thought it was fairly straightforward but it sounds like i need to prepare myself because it's about to get weird i think that's the right way to, to think about it because i mean I, I i would say that rebuild 1.0 is actually a great way to get into NGE, Neon Genesis Evangelion, because okay. it is... We've abbreviated... We've, you we've were abbreviated, so proud. We've made it there. <laughs> Just, we've got to the point now, guys. On the point of abbreviation, <laughs> you got to know now. If you know, you know. I've got it in there. If people are listening to it now, like, I can't figure out what that stands for. Fair, because the name is weird. Um, but I think if you watch this movie, you can kind of skip the first six episodes of the show. I watched both of them back to back at home, which was a delightful day. <laughs> and I was like, these are the same. Like, these yeah. are fundamentally the same. It was built to be like that, though, yeah? Big time. And what's interesting is that when this first film came out as fans, we were like, oh, cool. It's just like a nice remake. Like, everybody loves a remake. Like, it's nicely done. But there's a couple of moments where you're like, hmm, interesting. Like, that's slightly different. Like, there's some red water at the start, which to fans is like, that's weird. There's like a chalk outline of a very big figure in an opening montage, yeah. which is like... 
that's not a human. Uh, the figure of Kauru, who appears at the end on the moon in that coffin. Oh, yeah, yeah. So fans is like, why is he here this early? Like, those are odd moments that come up. To me, I was like, I, I that's a that was a good teaser to be like, it's mm. about, it's probably going to get weird. Yeah. But also I was like, wait, why, what, how, why did you end on that? Yeah. And I think what's interesting is you were saying about this being like a recreation. You watch that first film, then and now, and you go, this is just a remake. This is just yeah. an absolutely lovely remake. And something that Anno, I think, really started in anime is recreations as basically a dialogue with the audience. Mm. So when he did the first 26 episodes, the last two episodes are wild. Like, they're just reused footage, people having, like, monologues about depression. And it ends with a sequence where somebody sat in a studio, the walls fall down, and everybody just starts going, congratulations, congratulations, congratulations. Oh, wow. It's, just, it's weird. That's like David Lynch weird. It's real David Lynch. Um, and then he made a movie a few years later that, apocryphally is considered to be like he finally got the budget to make the finale he wants to make there are similarities in some images and that movie is weird like that movie is weird but in that film he starts bringing in like montages of like death threats he received from fans there's like scenes that are like real life scenes and it's also really going shinji's weird but is shinji hideki anno and it's like a very weird like and it becomes this dialogue about are artists as damaged as the heroes we've created? Like, these are damaged people trying to save the world. Are artists also damaged people trying to save the world? And then you watch this, and then as the films go on, no spoilers to it, but again, it becomes that conversation about is Anno trying to enter into a dialogue with the fans who maybe didn't get something, quote unquote, about what he said? Because every recreation is kind of him going, you kind of miss something about the storyline. Like, mm-hmm. is Shinji somebody we should be respecting? Is Rei somebody that we should be deifying? And so every part of the story becomes like a dialogue with the fans going, no, you didn't do the assignment. You didn't do the homework. Come yeah. back, which happens a lot more since this show. That's happened in a few other animes yeah, where the films are yeah. kind of like fan fiction that gets warped by the creator. And it's a really fascinating trend. But if you watch this film and you think this is normal, it's going to get weird. Oh, it's going to get weird. <laughs> oh, I'm oh, excited. Boy. Well, is there anything that we need to know in order to, that's maybe not in the following films, that you think would help us understand them better? Because one thing yeah. I'm, I'm, I've, like, they jump straight into the fact that there's angels and, mm. and uh, um, Evas. And I was like, oh, yeah, I mean, that's natural. And normally what would happen in a in a uh, traditional, at least Western culture film, is that you would find out the backstory of those about the midpoint, right? And then you would find out why it is that the hero needs to overcome them and blah, blah, blah. That never happens. We just have to understand that they're there and just accept it. There's a lot of contextless moments. Do you know what I mean? Big time. And characters that you see, like you said earlier, I see very early on, but don't actually necessarily play an active role mm. at that time. You just yes. see the context that you that you know you're being set up for to understand later. But then everything around that is also quite contextless and, and, yeah. and, sim- and symbolistic. And there's different anime styles within it. There's different animation styles within it and different art styles within it. So yeah. there's so much you have to unpack all at one time while still trying to follow the storyline, which I found really different for myself. Yeah. Is there a context that we need from Neon Genesis Evangelion to watch this first film? It's a really good question. I actually think you can watch this first film in a vacuum, and this is about as much context as you're ever going to get. <laughs> but what's interesting in what you say about um, the lack of context is definitely there in all of them. There's a couple of scenes they cut from the show 
where they sort of basically just clarify that everybody is confused about angels. Nobody really gets it. But in the film, there's that scene where Masato brings Shinji down to Terminal Dogma yes. and sees the figure of Lilith um, yeah. in that room. To my recollection of the show, that scene doesn't take place until like episode 18, 19. Right. And basically in the show, Misato is as as much of an everyman to the audience as Shinji is and is just as confused. And it's other characters that bring both of them down and go, surprise, the angels aren't just attacking out of nowhere. Here we go. And you're suddenly like, oh, this is what's happening. So they actually bring a little bit more a little earlier. But it's also interesting that they've created a story where in the anime, Misato is far more of just like a bolshy, like excitable woman who like likes a beer. Her Japanese yeah. voice actress who did it, the last big project she had done was Sailor Moon. She played oh, Serena wow. Usagi. And oh. then the next thing she did was Misato. So she was like the most famous voice actress yeah. in Japan for being like the most spunky, delightful woman in the world. And then she plays this like traumatized like war veteran that's got like a little bit of a, like a bubbly edge. Yeah. But in this, she's a little bit more like, I know what's happening. There is a weird lake of red water at the bottom of this. And there's an angel with a thousand legs up there. Let's fight. Yeah. She's like a little bit more competent. So they give yeah. you a little bit more context, only to then immediately dash it as soon as the next three films begin. But that's why it's great. Yeah. Um, it's interesting you were saying about how like disorientating it is with all those different art styles. Like I think that is absolutely the aim, is to kind of make you go, if you think this is what it's going to be, it's immediately going to change. Yeah. And, and, I, and I appreciated that loads. Do you know what I mean? Like You can tell what kind of anime I watch, but in, in the context of what I was consuming, it was like, it engages your it engages your mind and your imagination in the in all the right ways. Mm. If you are like a deep anime fan or not a deep anime fan, you you'll appreciate it in two different ways. But the appreciation can always be discussed in this way. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because because of the way that they've illustrated impact too. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And then giving you the context later on about that specific character's backstory and why they've illustrated it that way. Do you know what I mean? And it is such there's such intentional choices that have been made in, in those contextual forms. You get me? I think it's, it's brilliant. It's fantastic. Yeah. I think that there's um, something that I find really interesting about Evangelion in all its forms, and I think the film does really well, is that it combines these two great longer trends in anime that I think get forgotten are like a part of what anime has done for years, and manga has done for years. And one of them is obviously the mecha anime, which it does very faithfully, and it also does in the very anno way in that it's incredibly bureaucratic. Like when yes. he, because he did a Godzilla film after Evangelion, which yeah. basically revitalized the Godzilla franchise. I think it's why they did the new Godzilla reboots over here, because they went, oh, this works. And in that, Godzilla is never explained, but the only thing that is explained is all of the levels of Japanese bureaucracy that are going to have to work together to fight him. It's like very yeah. like, which the film does really well with the fight with Ramiel, I believe the, the diamond angel that appears at the end. It's oh, very cool. like, we're going to fight this angel with like government documents and yeah. then like a large blackout. And it's like, this is yeah. very mundane i loved that though. it's amazing I loved animation the amount that was of... insane. oh Absolutely. it's stunning yeah yeah, yeah. And that combination of like very industrial robotic like really grounded but just like kids and robots but then there's this other thing that anime and manga have done long before evangelion which i think sometimes gets forgotten in things like belladonna of sadness things like devil man which has recently been remade as devil man crybaby which are very psychedelic which i I, I don't know exactly where they come from in like the Japanese psyche or Japanese art, I'm not entirely sure and I wouldn't want to say. But these, they're like since the 70s, Japanese animation has been like very focused on just like weird sort of occult images. And what Anno does is bring in like Kabbalah and like Nietzsche and combines it with that. And it is so weird that you just go, I just can't even, I'm not even going to try. Yeah, it's, um, it's a lot. It's very, it's, it's, all, it's all a lot of stimulation. Yeah. And it's all based on a lot of stimulation as well. Like even Devilman Crybaby, I've seen it. It's, 
it's it is one long trip. Do you yeah. know what I mean? The whole thing is like one long psychedelic trip, and and it's just kind of consciously floating in and out of that in in that capacity of it just being so many different ways to stimulate your eye and your mind and the conversations between them, and then you throw the, like the the metaphors and the symbolism into that, and you've got a, like a fantastically weird experience with a li- with very little context yeah. do you know what i mean and i yeah and i think that when you were saying about not knowing about the angels i think that that psychedelia combined with like the bureaucracy of like japan in an apocalypse means that you feel as disorientated as masato and shinji yeah. do and that there's this like cra- like i don't think angels have ever been so accurately represented as like weird alien creatures as they probably would be if a- if angels yeah, existed yeah. um it's like you'd see these and weird almost things interdimensional yeah you yeah. see these like weird interdimensional creatures just as you said and then you have like people doing like documents to like the Japanese military about like filing for like national blackouts and it's that like constant like ricocheting that Hideki Anno smashes in everything that he does. Well one of the things that really struck me watching the first film is because obviously a lot of kaiju stuff and a lot of that fascination with that and the firepower Mm. is associated with Japan's you know experience of nuclear bombing and and a lot of people coming to terms with what happened in Hiroshima and how just disorientating that would have been. So that's what I find really fascinating when when they were adding the bureaucracy element because suddenly that was what threw me into going, oh, yeah, this is what war's like, Mm. Mm. you know, and that's terrifying. I think a big part of what made the bureaucracy side so prominent for me was the rules that they, the rules and the way that they they enforced Mm. that kind of old boy ego into into it by saying things like you can only everywhere can only have three avers mm. do you know what i mean like yes. any any one country can only have this much firepower at any one time yes but we're all actually trying to stop the world from being destroyed by the same thing yeah. we're all trying to fight the same thing but within that we still can't let anyone have any more fire, firepower than us yeah. do you know what i mean big i think time. that was a that was a massive point for me big time um one of the sort of big formative space anime uh, was called um, Space Battleship Yamato, which was 1974, I think. And in that, they basically rebuild a Japanese World War II warship and it goes into space and it's i mean classic um and in that and in that this constant theme and exploration is is this ship by being a warship constantly destined for like violence and tragedy and when they originally aired it there's a scene that flashes back to the ship when it was in world war ii and the creators of the show really wanted it to just be like here's a ship it's very neutral and then the i think the studio or the network were like we're going to put like some like military like pomp over the top and they were like no War is not something that we celebrate in this show. Like war is a thing that happened. We move on. And I feel like that's something that Evangelion does fantastically is it carries on this idea that, as you say, like war is documents, war is trauma, war is like, there is never a consequence in this show that doesn't get like rammed into the ground. Like you just never get to forget that people have experienced something bad. And that's what Anno does so well is that these characters will go through something that you think is tiny. And then for another 20 episodes, you're sat there going, I get it. I get it. They were sad. Could we just leave? But that is trauma. Like that is trauma that it never leaves you. So I think he does an incredible job building the psyches of these characters and then immediately shattering them in front of us. (laughs) And that's why we love it. (laughs) I wouldn't even say, I would say they don't even get to shatter. They're constantly shattering. Like there is no, I just feel like Shinji, I'm just like, 
this kid, yeah, man. Yeah, it's just smaller and smaller pieces each time, isn't it? I tell you what, Nerve, they do not have a employee mental health program in place, <laughs> do they? They would not survive in our bureaucratic society. There's no aftercare <laughs> no. when they send off the package. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah, imagine being HR at Nerve. Oh. Just like, oh, okay, we've got to give you some pastoral care for another child. That's yeah. just, <laughs> just I just want there to be one scene where Shinji has to like lie on a couch. You know, like and just talk about. <laughs> he gets no moments to breathe. Absolutely not. And that, no and, moments to breathe. And that is a great consistent theme throughout the show. And I, I Shinji's a difficult protagonist, I think, in general, in that he's deliberately unlikable. Yeah. Um, oh. Like so unlikable. Like you want to be like all the characters who just slap him around all the time. Just like, yeah. come on. But I think that idea that they do include in the film from the show of the hedgehog's dilemma is like, if you understand that, you understand all the forms of the show, this idea that people who are hurt hurt other people by getting closer. And I think the film tries to bring that in in a little way, but the show does it in so much more detail. And it's this show is just an ensemble of people. Like If you're seeing people in the distance, those people are the same in the show that you're just sat there and you're like, oh God, oh, could just one of you just love such... Could you just communicate to yeah. anybody, please? I beg <laughs> oh of you. Oh my God, he's saying everything oh. that I've been feeling watching this. Like everything, bro. You're saying absolutely everything that, yeah. I've, that I've been feeling. Like, where's the scene where Shinji just goes to talk to his dad and he's like, what the hell? They just have a candid conversation. Do you know what I mean? Like, there's a there's a famous scene in the TV show that they don't include in the films. I don't think this is a spoiler, but um, it's famous because the show loves a still frame. Um, there's a couple of them in the yes, show. Yes, I noticed that. Uh, yeah. And in the film as well. There's one in the show where two of the characters, Ray, who we meet in this film, and Asuka, who becomes far more important in all the series later, um, are in a lift. And I think the frame lasts for like 42 seconds. And it's just them in the lift still. And it's like in that scene is Evangelion. It's just two people standing there, just like seething. Like they hate each other. They don't know how to communicate how much they hate each other. And there's oh, no resolution. Wow. And if that doesn't sum up Evangelion, I really don't know what does. Word. Like it is just, like it is the perfect show for the mental health aware modern Word. fan. Like it is so, it was Word. ahead of its time, I think, in understanding how people suffer. Well, actually, saying, speaking of ahead of its time, would you say that because I when I was watching I mean this is just judging by the first film and obviously you're saying that it is a bit more straightforward mm. but I was like oh it's not as weird as I expect I've seen weirder anime but then that struck me that a lot of anime came after that would you say that it's had a big, big impact big time I think this is a big statement but I do think that Evangelion from what I've read is as big to the Japanese artistic consciousness as Star Wars is over here. Like, wow. the Cruel Angel's thesis, its original theme tune, is one of the most despised karaoke songs in the country because it's always performed. There were like, my friend went to a town recently that they just turned into an Evangelion celebration for its 35th, like the town fountain just had like Eva battles being shown on it. It was wild. I hope like, they put loads of red dye in it. <laughs> Do you know what? The red dye is, is seems to be, like I saw that and the, the rainbow arc. Mm. Like there's there's a, there's a few things that I think Anno does creatively within the Evangelion films that symbolize things kind of in a really mystique kind of way yeah. that you don't know what it really represents. Like the red liquid could represent the sea, but it could also yeah. represent the fluid that, yeah, the that you're dropped into. But then yeah. it could also represent. And then when when Avas are destroyed, the I just assumed it was blood. Mean? Yeah, yeah, like that's but, but that's that, what I mean. Like that, you, yeah. like you're you're constantly reminded yeah. of that. There's it's such a constant yeah. in that. And then there's these moments where, where where things will happen and you'll see this arc 
Do you mm. get me? This kind of yeah. rainbow arc. And it yeah. it says so much. It implies so much about innocence or the way anything could have gone in the, in that situation, the way it ended up going. It's like a, a kind of dichotomy between tragic tragedy and innocence. Yeah. You know what I mean? Anno takes a lot of symbolism that existed long before him, religiously, sci-fi wise, anime wise. But his visual language has trickled down through anime for decades. I don't think there's anybody who doesn't think about Evangelion when they're creating a story and there's been so many deconstructions of other genres things like Revolutionary Girl Utena things like Puella Magi Magica Magica terrible name to say um, that do the same thing but similarly in the West I think there's a lot of things we wouldn't have seen if we didn't have Evangelion like the creators like Hideki Anno and Satoshi Kon have changed how we think about like like mental breakdowns and like art and psychedelia and what we do. I don't think you would have WandaVision without Evangelion. I don't wow. think you'd have... That's a big statement. Like, yeah. I like that. That's like, I also, what beautiful. a jump. Yeah. I, would yeah, never, no. I would never say, uh, like, I, like I would never make that connection. But like that story about like artistic tropes and how they explore depression and loss is fundamentally Evangelion. It's a little bit more westernized. There's a few more big fights in it, but like... Yeah. But it's so like it's to me, I was just watching it and I was like, this is even there are scenes in the show where they do actually go into like shows within shows. And I was like, this is this is WandaVision. This is Evangelion. Things like Annihilation. I don't think you would ever have had without Evangelion, like that whole scene where Natalie Portman is like seeing various versions of herself, like sprouting flowers and having like all of this imagery of how we show and tell nothing like that language has become like a big part. I mean, like. Kubrick obviously did it himself, but like Evangelion made what we consider to be like weird alien horror what it is today. Like I think that every artist who makes anything featuring anything from outside this world owes Anno a debt. And I that's a big call. It's a, it's and a I will say, pool. come to me if you massive if pool. any of you want to fight me. Directors of sci-fi, my address is. <laughs> Actually, that's a good point. Do you have any socials that uh, we can follow you on? David? Yes, absolutely. You can find me on Twitter and on Instagram at, at DJF Leavesley, which is L E V E S L E Y. Um, and if you find this dulcet tone talking about anime thrilling, I have a podcast called Critical Ditto Podcast where we play Pokemon, doing an improvised Dungeons and Dragons you game. Might be oh my, my You gosh. might be my favorite. Person. person you might Dude, be my favorite right new person to you. do you know what can i all right i'm gonna i'm gonna um no it's not really an admittance but or a confession but it's something i do i have a guilty pleasure i just watch people opening Yu-Gi-Oh and pokemon packs oh my on God. youtube that is my oh. that is my pastime that is actually one of my guilty pleasure pastimes thank you so much david and and yeah if anyone uh finds any uh any Pokemon cards, they can send them over to you as well. Please, like, I can't wait to hear from people, especially about all the things I've misunderstood about Evangelion, yeah. which I, <laughs> please come my way. I don't think it's possible to misunderstand Evangelion. It's just to understand it in your own way. I think that's that, the point. That is the tea, big time. Before we finish up, we're going to have a quick fire round, Shay. Let's do it. All right. So first of all, I want to know, first film, Who's your favorite character? Do you know what? I want to say Pen Pen. Yes, me too. Yeah, I think I think he's I think he's he's probably one of the most emotionally intelligent characters in, <laughs> in anime. Like, I'm gonna go watch TV. Yeah, and he's, he's super unique and he just does his thing and he's like part robot and I think Pen Pen's just a G. I just yeah. I just love me an animal sidekick. I hear that. Yeah, I hear that's a big thing in anime as well. Like just the animal sidekick, mm-hmm. the kind of avatar. But he plays this kind of really human-ish kind of role. It's quick fire round, Shay. Sorry, my bad, my bad. Next question. Go. Favorite costume? Oh, that's a tricky one. Doesn't doesn't Eva count? Because like that's would, kind of a costume, would, isn't it? I would. Yeah, I think an Eva counts. Yeah. Okay. Then then uh, Eva yeah. two. Eva two. Yeah. Okay. Okay. What was your favorite scene? Ah oh, damn! I don't know. There's so many good scenes. I'm falling apart. Um, 
when he first gets into Ava 1 and actually learns to attack. Oh, nice. Do you know what I mean? Because he falls over at first. So, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Ava 1. I think mine's, a, uh, mine's the opening bit where you first see an angel for the first time and you get all the setup. It's just, it's beautifully done and it's so eerie when you see that angel come around the corner and you're like, oh my gosh. I found a better scene. I'm going to say it really quickly. Please don't judge me. Um, it's the first time that you see the missiles hit uh, the first angel that's like super bright. Yes. And, and pink and it's like weird pink fuchsia colour. That was when I really noticed everything. Yeah. Like properly in terms of colour and I got to appreciate it. So yeah, that scene. All right. So uh most WTF moment. Lilith. 100 percent Lilith. What? As soon as they walk in, you're like, well, like that was the moment where my jaw just dropped. I was like, what? But it gave a lot of context. That was that was that was fun for me to a see. A lot of context. And yet no, no context. Yeah, open up a lot. Yeah, a bit of a Swiss cheese moment. <laughs> All right, most powerful ever. Um, most powerful, I think, depends on the pilot, but two, no, one. Yeah, I think one. One, as well. one, one, definitely. Yeah, I think yeah. one was built to be the most powerful. Yeah, so, yeah, agreed. one, definitely, hundred percent. What about you? Most powerful ever. Yeah, now I'm gonna go one. One as well. Yeah, cool, perfect. Okay, so finally. Uh, the planet is dying. Would you pilot an Evangelion? Do you have the nerve? Oh, see I see what you did there. We're going to get along just fine. <laughs> I'm trying to meet you in the middle here. No, Do you know I what like I mean? It. A little bit. Would I pilot an Evangelion? Absolutely not. I hear no that. Way. I don't even have a driver's license. Never Bro, mind. <laughs> neither do I. Neither do I. Openly and, and completely proudly, I'll admit that. And I'm also going to proudly admit I have a deathly fear of heights. So I'm definitely not piloting uh, Ava. Definitely Fair. not. You and I can stay safe underground. Facts. And that wraps up our first episode. How do you feel, Beck? Oh, I feel great about the episode. I feel sad that it's already the end of this one. It felt like it went really quickly. I know. I'm already looking forward to our next episode. <gasps> I'm watching the second film. <sighs> Word. Oh. What do you think you can expect from the second film, though? Ooh, I'm hoping there'll be more massive explosions. There's always a good explosion. Yeah. All right, what about cool. you? More context. Yeah, I like, yeah, I like, yeah. I'm a big fan of a backstory, so I want to see a little bit of backstory, maybe. Yeah. Some context. Um, I want to see some group sharing. <laughs> I want to see them sitting in a circle. Yeah, I want to I see another couple more angels get obliterated. Do you know what I mean? So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm all for it. I'm looking forward to it. That wraps up the first episode of Anime to Z. Join us next week as we go further down the Evangelion rabbit hole and discuss Evangelion 2.22. You cannot advance. Exciting. And if you liked what you heard, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe to this podcast. All four films in the rebuild of the Evangelion franchise are available to watch now on Prime Video. Go get it. Animator Z is a Little Dot Studios production for Prime Video UK. The show is hosted by Shaylingo and Beck Hill. It's produced by Nicole Davis, Jake Cunningham and Harold McShill. With production coordination from Ellie Aitken and editing by James Payne. With additional research by Ren Skateni. If you've enjoyed the show, you can subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast and wherever else you get your podcasts. 